Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to the Gallant Few Rangers podcast. My name is Mason Stewart and I'll be your host this evening for which is our second Premier League show. Before you know, we get into it tonight, obviously FA Cup uh, this weekend, so we'll be skipping that. Uh, no interest in that, have we boys? But uh, we're going straight into to Premier League. And with me tonight, starting with the Liverpool fan, I won't mention the game yesterday, mate, Jamie Royals, how are you? I'm all right, man, thank you. Um, I've survived, I'm still here, so... <laughs> Quick one, move on, move on. <laughs> Next up, we've got Graham Campbell. How are you, Graham? Yeah, good, Mason. Thanks for having me on. Good man. And last name is least, Colin McDuff. How's things, Colin? Evening, Mason. Evening, gents. Um, hi, good to be back on. I'm glad we're skipping FA Cup weekend, also <laughs> known as Coop and Buster weekend. Uh, the least said about that, the better. <laughs> Absolutely. It's a quick, quick fire, that one. Um, let's get right onto it then, boys. And we'll, we touched on Everton quite a lot last week. So, um, Jamie, I'll, I'll just go to you on this one. But Everton did uh, eventually appoint Sean Dash this morning. Um, you know, it was, it was broke, the news broke sort of Friday morning that he was going to be the, the man and uh, Bielsa didn't fancy it. So, um, we all, I think we all agreed it was a, the safe choice. Um, but I do feel a little bit for Dash. He's going in with only one day left of the transfer market and <laughs> they've sold probably their, their most talented uh, winger. Um, what, what's your thoughts on, on Dyesh going in there and, um, you know, he, he needs some attacking players very quickly? Yeah, I think, you know, we said we said in the last one that Dyesh was probably the more suitable uh, candidate. Um, the safer bets of what Everton need to do, which is obviously galvanise and kind of get themselves back on track. Um, f- the funniest thing I heard over the weekend was that apparently Bielsa's... Um, 
Bielsa's plan to join Everton was to go into the under-21s team for six months, let somebody else take the remainder of the season, go into the under-21s, get them up to his fitness level, and then he would take them next year. And apparently that was obviously laughed at the door and kind of slammed shut and, and they went for the, the Sean Dyche option. I think that's the, the safest option. I think it's the most suitable one. And we already touched on that last week. And I think kind of what you just touched there, they sold Anthony Gordon for an astronomical amount of money, in my opinion, they're obviously going to look to reinvest that, but they've got literally, well, 24 hours, just over 24 hours from now to do that. Um, I think the most latest one I've seen is that they're looking at Conor Gallagher, which would be a really good signing. But again, that doesn't bring you goals. I don't get I don't get that transfer if that was actually true. Um, so, yeah, it'd be interesting to see what they do um, in terms of transfers of the next 24 hours. Um, and... You know, his first game, I think I mentioned last week, his first game's Arsenal. So he's kind of got a bit of a free hit this weekend. And then they've got the Merseyside derby the week after. So um, Sod's Lord will probably get a draw out of that. They'll probably get hammered off Arsenal and get a, a draw at the Liverpool game. But it'll be interesting to see how Daesh, if he, if he does try and keep them up. Yeah, he's got a, a big job on his hands, that's for sure. Graham, what, what's your thoughts on, on Anthony Golden? Um, are you a fan of him and do you think 45 million I know you get the English tax as well but what's your thoughts on that move especially him leaving his boyhood club in, in such a you know didn't, didn't turn up for training for the last four days and he handed in a transfer request I think it's pretty poor from pretty poor from a player that's been at the club since he was 11 yeah I guess it's pretty poor uh, that's kind of the way it is just uh, these days though when players want to leave and I don't think it helped when he was kind of accosted by Everton fans last week yeah, I think that video that did the rounds maybe pushed them more towards that I guess I don't know I think 45 million is an insane amount of money but that's what we're talking about in the Premier League they get 40 million in plus 5 million add-ons then they turn round and bid for in my opinion a pretty average player in Conor Gallagher for the same amount of money. I just think Everton going straight back into the kind of poor uh, poor mould of acquiring players for, I don't know, money. It's just, I just think that's a lot of money. They've just got the deal of the century, in my opinion, to then kind of turn around and send it back out the door. Uh, so, yeah, not great business. Anthony Gordon for Newcastle, he's not the finished article. He's long off it. So, yeah, they've bought him for 40 million raising at 45, but this is for a player that I guess it's potentially a gamble, but if it, if, if Eddie Howe moulds him well, then he's he's obviously going to be a, a really good signing, but he's not there just yet, I guess, right? No, definitely a, a player for the future, but absolutely agree, 45 million is mental. Colin, last one on Everton then. Um, yeah, today, obviously, Dyesh is, is in, and his first bid is for, for Conor Gallagher, 45 million, as Graham just said. You know, they're, they're really, you know, financial fair play. They've got the money they've got coming in, you know, they've got to spend, but I th- I'm surprised they're going to try and spend it all, all on one player. Um, what's your thoughts on, on Conor Gallagher? I think he's a decent player, but 45 million is, is mad money. No, he's, even with the English tax, he's not worth that. And I think this is just Everton wanting to try to... Uh, uh, they're trying to appear to do something. They're trying to appear to buy the way out and instead of investing their money properly. Um, Conor Gallagher is at no man's land. He's he's never going to get into the Chelsea team. Um, even if they, you know, if they weren't spending like half a billion um, in in the one window, um, 
he's all right, I think he'll do a job at Everton, but I think Jamie's right, he's not he's not what Everton need to know. They they don't give you goals, he he doesn't really give you that flair of creativity. He's probably a bit more industrious uh, than what they need. So maybe a, a decent signing for Sean Deitch. Um it's, I think I said it last week, I think there's two things certain with Deitch being the Everton manager. Everton will stay up this season and this time next year we're going to be talking about the relegation battle for Everton again. I think it's so short sighted, but it saves them for another six months, but in four months' time, when um, I don't know, they'll probably end up signing fucking Andy Carroll or something to play the big man up top or next to Calvert Lewin. Um, we'll see how good a signing, uh, how good an appointment he is in. Yeah, it'd be interesting if he can get uh, Calvert Lewin fit. That's a completely uh, different story. But but moving away to from from Everton, I want I want to this week. I want to go to. You know, some of the clubs we didn't get a chance to speak about last week. And I'm going to start with Brighton. And I promise, Jamie, that's not on purpose. But um, <laughs> um, they, to be fair, they are absolutely uh, flying this season. Yeah. Uh, their recruitment has been has been incredible, you know, considering the amount of money they've brought players in for and then they're selling on. I feel a little bit for Deserby because every transfer, you know, every press conference he's done this, this the last, since he's come in, has about, been about one of their players leaving. Obviously, Trossard's gone to Arsenal. Uh, Casado, uh, Arsenal were trying to get Casado and they've turned down a bid for 70 million. He's not training at the moment. He's been told to stay away till after the window. Um, and then t- later tonight, there's been talk about McAllister, um, who's another very, very good player. Um, but what, what's your thoughts on, on on Brighton as a whole? And, and, and as you said, their, their unbelievable uh, recruitment. Yeah, I think you know it's 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 a surprise to everybody. They are the surprise package at the moment, and I think there's a fair few of these teams that are they've kind of kicked on a little bit and they're starting to they're starting to play without fear. Is probably the way to put it. Um, and and Brighton are a perfect example of that. The one thing we know of Brighton is they run really well. And what I mean is like the chairman, he comes out, he speaks to the press, he speaks to the fans. He, he's quite transparent in his approach. Um, he was very vocal about bringing Graham Potter in and Graham Potter was obviously going to start shaping um, a new era for them. It's good to see that even though Graham Potter's moved on, that they're still working to that kind of that kind of format, if you like. The, 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 one, the one thing I would say in haste is that how how many of their best players can they bleed to other clubs before it does actually start impacting? Because you say, you know, the recruitment is great. Casido has been there for three years. Um, Estupian, another great one, has plays right back. He's been there for three uh, for two years, I think. Or he signed last season. Sorry, all these players have been have been there for a good few a good amount of time. And what they, what Potter did was actually introduce them into the first team. Um, I think I seen a report the other day. Casado is actually only on three grand a week, which is absolutely insane, considering you know the performances putting in and and the bonuses must be on for keeping these clean sheets, um, because they've been doing absolutely brilliant. I think Brighton can maintain that they're hovering about the sixth place at the moment. Um, I think uh, the Zerbi's strong enough a manager to keep them around about that area. Um, the one, the one thing I would probably call out, and it's probably the most obvious point, is they don't have a traditional number nine or an out-and-out striker, which you would probably put your money on every week to say that's their striker. I mean, Denny Welbeck has been playing good for them, but he's not actually scoring that many goals. A lot of the goals are coming from the midfield midfielders or the people running around, you know, coming late into the box, which is obviously working for them. And I think it's been doing good, but we're not, we're what, 19 games into the season. So we're halfway through. 
they've done really well. It's whether or not they can maintain that pace. And I think if Casado does go, I think that leaves them in a really tight spot because he's such an influence, an influence on that team. I, I would say the same about um, Yves Basuma. Basuma was a big, a big player for them last season. They don't seem to be missing him. But then if you add in Trossard, then you I said add in Casado, how many of them can they actually bleed? You also forget Cucurella was so influential for them in the last twelve months as well. So it's 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 gonna be interesting. I think the Zerbi's a good enough manager to keep them where they are. Whether they finish in the top six or something like that, I, I think that'd be a stretch too far. It's definitely gonna come down to their, their squad, isn't it, Graham? Let's come to you on Brighton then and, and, and as Jamie just mentioned there, Cucurella, you've got Ben White. Uh, Dan Byrne as well, another couple, um, and, and yeah, Basuma. But just, Brighton, I feel for Brighton a little bit, and I feel, for, as I say, I feel for Deserby because he, he's been really strong. He was really strong with the Trossard move to Arsenal. He shrugged it off and said, listen, we've got Matoma coming in who's who's going to come in and do a job. And, and obviously, Casado's been told to stay away. But it, it's, it's that club that Brighton are. I think a lot of their players that they get in, their next move is going to go to the boys that are in Europe. And the clubs that you know, the bigger clubs, and, and that's the problem Brighton are you know always going to have. Yeah, totally. Um, we're not even just talking about players. So yeah, you mentioned Basuma, obviously Kukurela, White, Trossard, Mwepu, Burn, um, Saicedo, who they signed for about four million, seventy million getting in would be sensational business, regardless. They lost their manager and Graham Potter. They lost their sporting director, um, Dan Ashworth. He's away in Newcastle. They have quite literally been stripped. Yeah. I did raise a wee eyebrow with our, I'm assuming I wouldn't have been the only one with their appointment. I deserve, babe. He's got a bit of a checkered, interesting coaching history, one of those kind of interesting appointments. He's came in, had a couple of kind of few stalemates to start. But yeah, they're starting to come on. And despite kind of being stripped at um, specifically at pitch level, they turn around and beat one of the most expensively put together football teams in world football at the weekend. I mean, and that's it. That's what happened. And that was with Saicedo not obviously being, being near the team because um, his head's been turned. So, yeah, unbelievable. I've got to say that second goal, um, the one that won it was an absolute peach the way he, that boy took that down kind of flicked it and, uh, I mean what a goal that was it was lovely uh, and it was a, it was an enjoyable performance and yeah fair play to them just now for for what they're going through um, on and off the pitch um, they're, they're handling it well yeah uh, absolutely and Colin just, just last bit on Brighton that, that Matoma as I said we got the winner yesterday two and a half million I think they got him from, from the J League and I think we in Scottish football, everyone's starting to pick players from from the J League. But it do, it does just go to show that there are players out there um, that you don't have to go and spend 45, 50, 60 million. I think Brighton are proving that. Um, you know, as I said, spending two, three, four million in, in the Premier League is difficult because you are going to get. You know, we've seen it uh, obviously at Rangers. A lot of players, are, you know, with, with, with that kind of money, are going to fail. But if you do your homework and he fits the how the manager wants to play, then. You know, it's incredible, and not many other clubs in the Premier League are surviving by you know picking picking players up for, for that cheap, but you know backing them and being confident to do that as well. Yeah, it's it's not something you really um, attribute many clubs 
to doing in the Premier League right now. They're probably going to play opposite Everton, where Everton are just flinging money and home, so home shit sticks to the wall. Brighton, this has been a long time coming. Um, ever since they got promoted again, they've put in the infrastructure, put in the shouting system, they've got a clear strategy of how they want to build, and uh, it's paying dividends. Um, my only worry is it's a big jump to go from that level of club and they're, they're overreaching right now let, let's be honest to cement yourself in the, in the top six you do need to start spending big and you need to you need to be competing in top six quite regularly to to start attracting the next level a player up which if they're serious about getting the top six for this season and next season and the season after and, and having it a regular thing they're going to have to start doing then that's when you go down the um, the almost at the Everton path where you start spending the 10, 20, 30 million but it won't always work and then you're trying to claw back money Um, so it'll be interesting to see probably how the next 18 months pan out for Brighton Yeah, and, and it, it will be will be interesting and, and Jamie moving on away from, from Brighton and Fulham also on 31 points which which you forget they're, they're another team that's really overachieving uh, this season considering that you know they've come up from the Championship um, they've, they've recruited a lot better than the last time they was they was in the, the Premier League, and I think they maybe learnt their lesson there. Um, but I think they've got a really good manager that's a little bit underrated for me in Marco Silva. I think the the, the job he done at um, Everton, you know, has, has put probably a big dent in in him. You know, before that he was he was highly held highly, but obviously that that as we've said already, that Everton job is is, is a real tough one. Um, what's your thoughts been on on, on Fulham this season and? Um, how important is Mitrovic to, to Fulham uh, going forward? I think it kind of answers your first question. How will Fulham get on? How will Mitrovic play? Mitrovic has had plenty of shots in the Premier League and he's never really hit what he should do. Um, his international record's always been better than his club records um, in the Premier League. He's always had to drop down into the Championship and he starts breaking records again. So how Fulham were going to do was always going to be how how Mitrovic did. Um, and I pretty much pretty much answered that in his opening game against Liverpool with those two uh, with the big commanding header at the back post and uh, the, the flick the guy's been tremendous um, I honestly thought they were going to be this season's yo-yo club because they were bringing in lots of players but they weren't spending lots of money they spent lots of money last time I think they spent about 150 million in the, in the last time they were promoted and it didn't really happen this time what they did is they brought in a lot of low players a lot of uh, small fees like yeah, Andres Pereira from Man United William uh, I think they pretty much paid uh, nothing for him um, I really like the boy in the middle Palinha and the big Portuguese lads. Like they've, they've actually got a lot of players that are clicking really well. And Mitrovic, the fact he's scoring has been the cherry on the cake. Um, you, you're right, they're sitting on 31 points at the moment. Um, they would be one that you would say top six is always going to be a push for these guys. Is that taking that next step? However, I was checking the fixtures and actually their next six fixtures. Um, I think I've got them down. They've got So they've got Chelsea on Friday. They've got Brighton, Wolves, Brentford, and a cup match against Sunderland. Realistically, you know, if they could take nine points out of those games, that you know, it's the teams around them that I've got to watch for them, not for them how they're doing. Um, and I think you know, Mitchvich was injured just before the World Cup, um, and they had a couple of blanks. He's now back. He seems as always bang on form. Um, 
you put your heart in him at this season compared to previous seasons. So I think how Fulham do is always based on how Mitchfit plays. And yeah, they, they have to keep him. That's that's kind of like a no-brainer at the moment. Um, even if a club come in with like a 40, 50 million bid, you, you just wouldn't sell him. You wouldn't. Um, he's, he's too important to them. No, I absolutely agree. And, and it's actually, a, you know, one that Mitrovic, you know, his record in the championship is, is incredible. Um, to be fair, last season it was as he broke the record. It, it was unreal. But but Graham, going back to to Fulham and, and Marco Silva, what, what's your thoughts on on Marco Silva? Because he is one that, as I say, I think that Everton job did did dent him a little bit, and um, you know he, he got he had to kind of build himself back in, in the championship. What, what's your thoughts on on him as a manager? I think he's obviously a good coach, but um, one thing that that struck me through his career so far is probably his lack of loyalty. If, well, being totally honest, since uh, um, since what 2014, I think this is his seventh club. He had three years at his first club, but between that first club and Fulham now, um, he spent a year at every club. Obviously, had some success at Watford to to move to Hull the other way around, and then from Hull to Everton. Then he's a year at Everton. So again, a bit of longevity is obviously a good thing when it comes to Fulham. He did well to get them out of the Championship. That's not an easy league. Um, and obviously where they are now is testament. He's quite clearly, as I say, a good coach. Uh, I think it's good for him to kind of lay some foundations though, and just stay at a club for maybe a bit of time. However, saying that, there's no doubt in my mind if another club deemed bigger than Fulham come in for him, he'll be off like a shot. And, and that's just cold light idea. I think when we're talking about Mitrovic, um, yeah, it's good. He's obviously a, a strong forward and is important to them. But Fulham do they are knocking in goals from elsewhere on the pitch, and you've got guys like Bobby Reid, Joe Polina, Harrison Reid, William Pereira, all kind of scored multiple goals so far in the league. So if you took away Mitrovic's goals, um, they'd still be a kind of mid-table goal-scoring team. Yes, going back, they are important. But I think they do have more to them than just Mitrovic up front. Um, and nobody's irreplaceable. But I think for Fulham, their biggest concern would be losing Silva because, as I said, it'd be off like a shot, in my opinion. Yeah, that's a really good point. Right? And I think they've coped, say, coped quite well without Mitrovic in recent weeks. And beating Chelsea, obviously, only only a couple of weeks ago without him. So, uh, you know, Fulham could be another one as a surprise package. But, but Colin, moving it on, uh, we're going to go to, to West Ham next. Um Really frustrating season for, for West Ham this season. Obviously, we um, you know we could have met them in Seville last year, um, and expecting that you know they spent I think 170 million in the summer, which is just absolutely um, incredible. But it hasn't worked at all for for David Moyes this season. Um, you know, a lot a lot of question marks about that. You know, I think they've got a big rebuild coming, and it's mad to think they've spent that kind of money yet. They've got such a huge sort of rebuild coming. Um, but what I want to ask you, firstly, um, Colin, is Declan Rice, uh, how highly do you rate Declan Rice and um, how much would could you see him moving for in the summer? I'm probably in the, in the middle where if, uh, I don't know, if you're an England fan, then you, you're putting up there with the best of the best. If you're out with England, you, you think it's just inflated England tax. I do think... Um, uh, with the Premier League, he he probably is better. Like, like fans of fans looking in to England from out with, I think he is better than what we do give him credit for. And I think um, he 
I, th I think he, he's a level above West Ham, I'll be honest. Um, I, I can't see him, I, I could see him doing, doing a decent job at maybe the likes of Man U. Um, maybe even in Newcastle when they're going in the, the spending for um, in the next two seasons. Um, I think he's he, he will continue to develop. Um, I, I really rate him. In terms of money, I, I, I'm brutal with this man. It's you know, I, I still think um, 40 million pounds for Zidane was too much money back in the day, and I'm a big Zidane fan, so with this, but with the inflated market, you're, you're talking maybe the 60 70 million. Um, I don't think that's out of the question, yeah. It's a weird one. I, I'll come to you all on this because this is this is quite a big debate going around, and, and I was listening to, to sports talk talk the other day, and, and they were. All debating it. For, for me, if I'm a chairman, I wouldn't pay more than that seven million. To, to be honest, on Rice. And I, again, we, you know, we spoke about it, the English tax, but he's a midfielder that is not assisting or scoring goals. And I think that's where, in my opinion, that's where the money should be going. Jamie, well, firstly, I'll come to you. What, what, what's your thoughts on, on Declan Rice? I really like him. I know, obviously, being English, I'm going to have that view, but. Um... I like I like how he approaches games. I like the way he speaks after the game. I like I like the way he he builds relationships within teams. That that to me is as a commodity that you would have within your club. He doesn't seem the egotistical kind of guy that would come in with that kind of a value attached to him. Um, he, he does seem down to earth. He's he's obviously very much a London boy. Um, he's got obviously very close pals across the London teams, um, and you just kind of get that all from an English point of view. He's always smiling, like he's always, he always, he's always doing well in the club. Colin said it. He's he's definitely above West Ham in my opinion. Um, I think if he moved to a bigger team, I think you see him kick on. He's one of those players that probably can kick on. He doesn't. He hasn't. He hasn't hit his ceiling at the moment, and I think that's probably why there's a higher tax. Um, I think if 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 Declan wasn't so vocal about leaving the end of this season. I think West Ham would probably command up to about 100 million from him, which is absolutely crazy. But he's 24. He's he's nowhere near his prime. He's not hit his ceiling. He could probably do that at a top six club. So you're always going to end up with probably 90 to 100 million as the chart. The fact that everybody knows Declan's wanting out this season and he wants to compete for trophies and in Europe means you're going to have to shave some off it. They said, I, I, I think Colin hit it right. Ideally, he's, he's probably worth about 50, 60 million because of where he is and who he is. He's probably going to be go for about 70 to 80 million. Um, and I think he does only go to one of the top six teams or a Newcastle that are trying to sell um, a dream team. I really like him. I'd take him at Liverpool. I think he does. I think he does. I think he does the boring things good. Um, I think alongside he's, he's energetic. He gets box to box. Um, yeah, I, I really like him. Can I just ask, sorry, Jamie, is uh, is as a man with a horse in the race, would you see him as a long-term replacement for Henderson? Absolutely, hundred percent. That's that, that, that's the kind of player I mean. He's, he's box to box. He, he's he's a team player. He's a future captain. He's done captain in most of the clubs he's went to. He's pretty much how Henderson was when we brought Henderson, if not just slightly better. Henderson, we picked up. Who was he? Was obviously doing the same thing for Sunderland. What the what um what race is doing at West Ham? Um, I, yeah, I think he's a brilliant replacement. It's going to be interesting for Liverpool because I think they will try and get one of Bellingham or Rice this summer. I think that that will be their plan because if they lose, you know, as you said uh, off off before we come on about Chamberlain and um, Henderson coming towards the end, I think Chains English, and everybody. Yeah, yeah, English players are so important <clears> because <throat> obviously of the, yeah. the homegrown rule. But 
But Graham, obviously touch on Rice as well, but the main point I want to come to you with is, do you think David Moyes will, will see out the season? Um, there's There's been a, a lot of uproar um, about him. Um, <clears> they want change, I think, which is, in my opinion, a little bit harsh. Um, obviously, we know how football, football works. It's a, a result, you know, business. And But I think what he's done with West Ham in the last couple of seasons has been really, really good. He's got them punching, you know, in my lifetime, well above their, their weight, if I'm honest. But, but what's your thoughts on, on Moyes and, and Rice uh, to round it off? Yeah, I, I don't think Moyes... I don't think he will see out the season. I think he should see out the season unless they are totally... I mean, unless they go in such an unbelievable downward spiral, I don't think they won't pick up enough points to see them threaten the relegation. Like, I think they'll be steady. Not great, but they'll just be steady enough to maybe comfortably miss relegation. I think they need to give them time. Like, yeah, they'll have, an, they'll have an upper season. No one's going to debate that. But as you say, he's, he's kind of taken them so far um, in the last couple of seasons. I think he deserves. I think he deserves that time. But like any club, I think it depends how the fans are feeling. I've, I'm not overly certain on what the majority of West Ham fans are, are saying to it in terms of noise. I think once they get to the stage where they're, they're certainly far into the majority, then yeah, it won't last long. But I think maybe at this point. He's just got the favour with the fans in terms of what he's achieved to, to a certain extent. In terms of Rice, I don't think anyone's going to turn around and say Rice isn't a good player. He is, of course, he is. Uh, his biggest, the, the biggest problem Rice has is the price tag against his name and, and what that's going to come with. We've seen it with Jack Grealish, for example. It will be either probably Man City or Liverpool he goes to. I can't see my new going up going in for him just now, um, especially you know after signing Casemiro and, and what their team's shaping up looking like. And I just don't see him going to Man City. So I think it will be um, uh, Liverpool. Or, sorry, I can't see him going to Chelsea. Obviously, I think it will be Liverpool or Man City. And talking about Chelsea, they've they're signing Enzo for 106 million. So that for me is going to bump up. Rice's price tag even more. So that's his biggest problem, I think, is the price tag. It'll be interesting to see who's willing to, who's willing to put out that outlay for him. Absolutely. It's going to be an interesting one with Rice, and, and that's the reason I want to put it in, because listening to a lot of West Ham fans, they're, um, and they absolutely uh, love him and, and they don't want him to go, but I just don't know really where, where he goes. I think that, as I say, with, with Chelsea spending the money they are on, on other players... Man United with Casemiro, you've got Rodri and Phillips at City. So, no, that, that that for me does rule, rule City out. So it's definitely one to one to watch. And and I think, yeah, with, with Moyes, that will be interesting to see how it plays out. Um, I, I'd like to see him, you know, I think he's a, he's, a, he's a very good manager. But as you said, once the fans start voting, it'll be a matter of time. Colin, moving it on then, this is one, um, you know, quite looking forward to, to touching this one with Aston Villa. Um Another managerial change. It feels like it's just you know it's that it's been that obviously with the World Cup. I think it's been even even more um, for you know put in the middle of the season. Emery, I didn't actually realise today when when I was looking at his record since he's gone in at Villa, he's had um, five wins in the Premier League, uh, one draw and one defeat, which is some going considering where they were under Steven Gerrard. The, the only thing with Emery, he's had two uh, cup defeats and obviously the you know the humiliating one against um, Stevenage. Uh, in the FA Cup at home, which was a, a real, real sore one because I think 
you know, a club like Villa, you, you know, you want you want to do well in the Premier League, but but then you know, FA Cups becoming, you know, again like West Ham, that, that you know, a trophy could be absolutely huge. Um, what's your thoughts on, on on Emery? And also, we will touch on it because it's the first time we we, we can actually speak about it. It's Gerard's uh, sacking. Um, how, how did you feel about that? Because I, I thought he'd get, I thought he'd do a lot better than he actually did, to be honest. Yeah, I thought he did do. He would have done a lot better. Obviously, um, cards on the table. Long-term listeners will know I've been a massive Stephen Gerrard fanboy for a long time. Um, well before his time at Rangers, I really wanted him to do well. And when Michael Beale left to go to QPR, I was hoping that the, the rumours were going to be true that Beale had a lot to do with his success in the pitch. But I think you can see the importance that Gerrard had. And not just Michael Beale, but however individual made up a backroom team and he really struggled with that. Um and I think um I think to be fair he struggled with uh, the adapting to the level up as well. Why like, there's no no getting away from that. Uh, I do think we'll see Gerard back but I think it was while it was quite early in the season, probably the right thing because I don't think he was drawn to pull it back and as a Steven Gerrard fan He's left with enough time that it's not been a humiliating run for Aston Villa, um, and he's no, he's his name's no mud anymore. Um, he'll go into a, a job top end of the championship, maybe in a couple of years' time, um, bottom end of the Premier League. On to uh, Emery, I, I, I really like him as a coach. Um, I think uh, he had a bit of a, a raw deal at Arsenal. I it wasn't the best, but I think you know sometimes it's the same up in Scotland. Sometimes the media just pounce on an individual, and he got that whole funny foreigner um, kind of um, labelled in in England, and <laughs> I, the media just they loved just ripping the piss at him. Um, the the game against Stevenage isn't going to help, but if I'm being honest, I, I know what you're saying. You want to get a good run in the cup, but where Villa were, um, you know, it's they were in the conversation about relegation. They're now eleventh. Um, I, I think it's, I think it made sense for them to try and prioritise the league. Um, I really like him. I think given time or maybe two years, um, he can really build Villa top ten, maybe even further. I think what he does have. Um, but you need to fill away some of the, the players as he does manage uh, the big characters and there's a few characters there that have got above their station when they don't really have the talent to kind of back up they like to continue um, tiring minds as well so I think he's a really good coach and he's been at big clubs and he's managed at the top level so I think he'll do really well Yeah, I think it's a great appointment for uh, Villa to be honest I'm really surprised they could sort of prize him away from was it Sevilla? Um, considering the amount of uh, Villarreal, sorry, Villarreal, Villarreal, he's he's, um, he's won the, the Europa League quite a few times as well, and and I agree with you in terms. Of, I thought he had a bit of a raw deal in the end at Arsenal. I think the media drove that, um, and I thought he, you know it was a tough time. Anyone following Wenger, we've seen it with you know following someone like that it was always going to be difficult, and uh, you know I think that's a great appointment for Villa. Jamie, what, what was your thoughts on on um, obviously? Emery, but but also Gerard as well. Obviously, being a, a Liverpool supporter, um, you know, I hear all sorts of different things with 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 Gerard when when he was at Villa about him losing the dressing room, and um, the interesting one for me was was John McGinn and uh, Ramsey, both um, when Gerard was sat, both uh, you know, threw the toys out the pram and 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 sort. So there was obviously a drift in the change room. Obviously, with Tyrone Mings, um, someone that Gerard should have, to be honest, when he went in there, got rid of him straight away. 
I think that would have solved the big problem because yeah, for me, I, I do not rate him at all. But um, yeah, what, what, what's your thoughts on, on, on both Henry and Gerard? I think, you know, with Gerard, I could go on, I could do a whole podcast about how much I love Gerard and Colin will back that up. Um, but from a managerial point of view, um, I was really hoping he did well at Aston Villa. But to be fair, the hope was probably more um, than, than the level that he was at, to be fair. Um, I think it was quite evident that he was trying to make decisions. He was trying to put his own stamp on it that just didn't work. Um, he stripped, the first thing he did is he took the captaincy off Mings and put it on John McGinn. John McGinn's probably arguably had his worst season. Tyron Mings sat on the bench for something like five games. They kept conceding. The the players that he was bringing in just weren't doing it for him. And he had to renege, uh, renege on, the, on his decision and start bringing Mings back in. Don't get me wrong, Mings is still not any better, but it actually stopped the rot that they had at the time. So straight away, Jared was always on the back foot. Then he had the challenge of trying to fit Coutinho in and use Buendia. The problem was he just had so much rotation going on in the team. He never played with the same the same team each week. Um, he would start one week with Ings. He would then start the next week with Watkins. Um, he would try Bailey up front or he would try Bailey on the wings. Again, it was just... It was just too much. And I think when you're trying too many different things and they're not working for you, every manager in the Premier League is going to fall foul to that, unfortunately. Never mind Gerard. Gerard's got enough money in the bank from a Liverpool perspective that he'll always he'll always have um, a great reception for us. Um, I just think the Villa fans were thinking Gerard was they were going to get the player more than the manager. The manager was trying to do his own thing and it just wasn't working. Um, he, he, it would work in fits and spurts, but it was just too sporadic. For a team like Aston Villa, they needed consistency. Um, they were free-falling at the time, um, so they needed to make an appointment. We've seen that happen. Um, Unai Emery was probably as about as high a ceiling as they could get from a managerial point of view. I'm like you, I was surprised that he went to Villa. Um because obviously a, player, a manager like him would look to have money to spend, bring in his own players, but they've quietly done that. They've quietly got about a bit of business and brought some of the players that he wants in. Um, I really rate him, kind of what you guys have done. You said he, he's got pedigree. He's been to some of the top leagues. He's, I think it's France, Spain, England. Um, he's even managed in, in Russia for a period. They, they, he's been to numerous cup finals. Um, he's got a great record. I think the Arsenal, the Arsenal job was very much. Do you remember when Andres Villa-Boas was taken into Chelsea? It was very much like that. He was trying to build a, trying to build something new, but he got left with all the crap at the same time. He had people like. Um, Oatsil on like 300, 400 grand a week that he just couldn't shift. It was just, it was always going to be a challenge for him. And the media just, as you said, the media were absolutely vile to him in some aspects. I remember seeing pictures of him dressed as Count, Dra- Count Dr- Dracula on the, on the side just because of the way he combs his hair. And you're just like, it's it's just not needed. It offers no, nothing for them. Why would he not want to go? You know, um, when when the opportunity, when when they kind of let him go, he'd always he was always going to go back to Spain and try, you know, regain his confidences again. I think he's he's probably going to be their best manager for the next couple of years. I I don't see him moving to anybody unless something crazy came in for him, like a like a Real Madrid job or something. But we know he's traditionally not going to go to a job like that. But I think he is probably about the right level for Aston Villa. Um, It'll be interesting to see. Now he's had a few months in the job. When he gets to the end of the season, 
he'll then obviously look to change it going into next year. What does that team look like? Because it's going to look, I would suggest, uh, vastly different to what it is now. That's when we'll see the real Unai Emery, if you like. That, that leads us really, really nicely, Graham. Um, there was obviously a big debate um, last last October, November when, when Gerard left us to go to Aston Villa. And, you know, the, the question is, what is success for, for a club like, like Aston Villa? What, what would you say... Emery going in there, what what can he do that, that would you know would be a, be a success? Because it's a football club that hasn't achieved a lot. Uh, I think Martin O'Neill got him to fifth, uh, two thousand and seven, two thousand and eight. I think that's the last time I can really remember Villa being a bit of a force. So so what success for for Emery and Villa? Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. I think that was the thing with, with Gerard leaving because um, a successful Villa under Gerard was to probably get into the Europa League. Uh, that's probably the immediate next possible success. Obviously, if they were to win a League Cup or FA Cup, for example, of maybe unlikely. I guess it's not impossible, obviously. But definitely, I'd, I'd have thought their aim would be top seven. Or, I guess with the, the Conference League there now, maybe one of you will be able to tell me if it's the top seven or eight. I'm assuming it's depending on who gets into the Cups or wins the Cups. So you're talking about seventh or eighth. Right to get into Europe, and then you've got, as you have said, Emery, who's the master uh, Europa League winner. He's won four Europa Leagues. He won three in a row with Seville, which is insane. Yeah. That is insane. No matter what, that's nuts. He won four in, eight. in the final. He's won four in eight. He's um, he's got plenty of trophies in career as a manager. Twelve, thirteen. Obviously, he spent time at PSG. He's a he's a good manager. I'm not surprised Seville getting somebody like that and they wanted something to prove he wasn't going to go back to a top four club or maybe even top six club. So it probably works well for both of them. I just don't see them really breaking into anything other than the top seven or eight. I really don't. And that's more to do with the money that's now been spent. When you add Newcastle into the mix with the top six clubs in England, how do Aston Villa break in? Let's face it, how do any of the clubs break in out with that? So it's going to be difficult. Good manager, but I don't see him being there for really a, a long period of time, I'll be honest. No. And now on the head for me, uh, there, Graham, because that, that was one thing I said about you know Gerard when he left at the time. It was it's, it's, with everyone else that, that's in and around and the money that's getting thrown about, uh, as you say, someone like Emery 
as I said, if you're an Aston Villa fan, I think it's a, it's a great appointment. I think it'll be much more exciting for you. Um, Colin, moving it on then um, to, 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 the, to the next one we're going to touch on is Wolves. Um, they're just um, above the relegation zone at the, at the moment. Um, they, they're, you know, had a really poor start, brought in a, a really good manager in Julian Lopetegu, I think. If I've said that terribly wrong, apologies on that. I don't know if you boys can uh, pronounce it better than that, but uh, he's obviously another one that's got really good pedigree being at, being at Real Madrid. Um and uh, yeah, it's, it's a really good appointment for Wolves. But again, they're, they're, they're very close to that relegation zone. Yeah, the clubs, where, uh, I guess, we're going to talk about um, before we round up. I'm probably least worried about, about Wolves. And it's because uh, the appointment, I'm not going to try and uh, pronounce it. Um, I'll go <laughs> Big Jules, big Jules has got to see them good. But, um, you know, I think given time, he's, he's a good pedigree, and I think uh, Will's um, have really struggled uh, this season. But if you look at the the technical talent they've got, um, it's it's still a really good squad on paper. And I, I think um, it, it might not be straight away, but I think between now and the end of the season, they'll start they'll start pulling up a bit of form, and they'll beat the teams around about them. Um, I think that's the important thing between um, February and, and May if you're serious about avoiding relegation and not just avoiding it by a shin of your teeth. By having a couple of meaningless games at the end of the season, I think Wills will do that. They'll start getting a few points. I don't see them taking any off maybe the top six, but I, I think I, given like, that's three months he's been in now and I think we'll start to see them flourish under him. Yeah, uh, the signing of, of Kuna from, from Atletico Madrid was a bit of a surprise, considering where they were in, in the league. I think that's a, a really, really good signing. And they don't get him with that manager coming in. Um, no. I don't, and that's, uh, again, that's just impacting. That'll give the players a boost as well. That'll give the players a bit of, uh, whether it's right or wrong, that'll give the players a bit of trust in the manager too, too actually. And sometimes it's, it's about, you know, having the, the players' confidence to listen to your ideas, to go and implement them. Absolutely. And uh, as you said, Colin, I absolutely agree. They've got a, a really good squad there. Jamie, I think they've got a few players there that, that I think are maybe, again, have just been there a little bit too long. Um, I think Neves is being, being one of them. I'm a real, real good fan of Neves. I think he's a, he's a top player. Um, and I think um, Raul Jimenez as well. Obviously, the injury he had at, at the Emirates a couple of years ago was a horrible one. I, even, I can't even watch that back. The noise, because it, it, it was uh, during COVID, there was no fans. So you heard the noise. When he went in for that header, um, you know, been a big blow because he has he hasn't come back the same as you know, just good he's back out playing. But that that was a blow. But especially Neves, um, Jamie, do you think he, he could be one that the Wolves are really going to struggle to keep hold of in, in the summer? Yeah, I think it's already been reported that Neves is pretty much going at the end of the season. He's got eighteen months left on his contract, and the talk is that he'll move on. And and the, and the, there's two things for the rationale of that. One is that they'll get a lot of money from him, and two is his agent. Um, if you from what I'm led to believe, that half of Wolves um, has been brought in by Jorge Mendes, um, the guy that loves um, a, a dual citizenship with all these players. If they got half Portuguese and half Brazilian, and they kind of making their way to Wolves at some point, um, but but. Again, Again, they, they've had this desperation to fill the void that Jimenez no longer does, because Jimenez is obviously a great link-up man. But he, you could you could bank on him scoring any goals up until that injury, and it was such a shame because he was 
he was he was tipped to move on to bigger, better teams um, at that point. The injury obviously rocked them. They've never really replaced that lack of goals. They've brought in multiple strikers to try and fill it. Um, they brought in at the beginning of the season. I was interested to see um, a lad that had been at Valencia for a couple of seasons, Gonchalo Guedes. Um, he's played pretty much every game this season and not really kicked in. He's now went on loan to somebody else after only being there for six months. They have got a, a ready-made striker. The problem is he done his ACL on his debut. Um, there's a big, there's a big lad they brought in from Stuttgart called Sasha Kladzik. I'm sure his name is. Big six foot two, um, broken every record at Stuttgart going. The lad looked immense, and they got him for something like just short of twenty million. And I was really interested to see um, how we would get on because they do a lot of balls into the box. Um, Wolves when they come in down the side, and he done his ACL and his debut, so he's out for the whole season. So again, then who did they bring in? They brought in Diego Costa, who's about nine hundred years old now. Um, I'm not even sure the last time he scored a goal, but Collins right off of those players don't come to Wolves unless it's to do with. Jose Lopetegui, I'm going to go for. I think that's how his name was. <laughs> um, and it's 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 some of the players like Adama Traore, probably that they need to try and move on. You know, the guys. There's a lot of fluff about him, but you know, unless you, unless you've got 42 liters of baby oil for him, there's not really much end product. Um, but Ruben Neves is something I, I watch quite quite keenly. Um, again, he's another midfielder there that I would always pick up in, in a Liverpool scenario. But um, I was more surprised that they let people like Conor Cody go. Conor Cody was living and breathing balls for probably the last five years or so and was a big success of how they defended. To kind of change the methods and tell him he's no longer wanted by the club um, and they were moving to a back three pretty much kind of means they are where they are, if that makes sense, from a defensive point of view. Um, they, they also let the other boy go to, I think it's Villa, uh, Dundonka. Um, he was another another lad who's been playing really, really well. So they kind of lifted a big chunk of the team out and they've been trying to they've been trying to f- uh, fill these, these spaces back up, just not too much success at the moment. No, absolutely. And um, as you said, I, I, I agree. I think that the squad's good enough. They'll They'll, they'll get out of it. Graham, then let's, let's move on um, to, to Leeds. Um, they broke their transfer record this window in bringing in a striker, Ruta, from um, from, from Germany. Um, don't know too much about him, to, to be honest. Again, it's a, a lot of money for someone that, you know, good age, but, you know, a lot of potential. I, I kind of looking at Leeds and I, I kind of expected a little bit better. I think Leeds are, are one of them clubs that, you know, obviously spent far too long in, in the championship, but not really made the impact I thought they would in, in coming into the Premier League. And I don't know if that's just not having the financial power like, like everyone else. But um, what, what's your thoughts been on, on, on Leeds, you know, so far this season? And, and how do you see it going for the second half of the season? Yeah, just before I cover Leeds... I'm reliably informed that it's Julian Lopetegui. Yeah, so you, can, so you, can, you can take that one to the bank. I much prefer yeah. Big Jules. <laughs> <laughs> big Jules in the gallant few. Regardless, Big Jules, and quote me on the Big Jules will be out of a job in 18 months. Anyway, Leeds, I think, uh, so again, Jesse March was one of those appointments. I kind of raised a couple eyebrows. There's something, and I guess it's it's probably quite poor from all of us. There's something that we all have about maybe American coaches coming over. There's always maybe a bit of a stigma about them. 
I could be wrong. I think the only one that actually really had a crack was was Bob Bradley. I think it was Fulham, maybe. I'm pretty sure it was Fulham, right? A few years ago, didn't work too well. We've had some really good players um, come over. But in terms of coaches, yeah, um, Marsh, I, I, I like him. I want him to do well. I like the cut his jib. They're quite solid. They're really well-structured. They've been in some of the most exciting games I've seen, um, certainly in the, the Premier League over the last year or so. Um, and you maybe thought that was going to come at an end when Bielsa left, to be honest. But Marsh has kind of continued that, but added maybe just a bit more structure to the team. You've mentioned that boy they've just signed. That. I'm the same as you. I don't know much about him. I've not even, I'd love to even hit you a few stats. I've not even went that far. What I do know is obviously McKenney. Um, it looks like he's going to sign. Guy's got a really good pedigree. He's 24, nearly 50 caps for the USA. Probably over 100 appearances for Juve. German Bundesliga. I mean, he's a really solid central midfield player and I think he's going to add, add well to the team. I, I like Leeds, I, I just I just think they'll stay up comfortably. I just think they need the right recruitment going forward. And I think if they give Mars a chance, then I really think they could be pushing mid-table and, and maybe, I guess, onwards as, as far as they can go in the, in the next couple of seasons. But yeah, I guess we'll see. For me, it's just all about the, uh, the recruitment for them. Obviously, without stating the obvious, but specifically for Leeds, I think they've got a good good base of players and if if they get their ins and outs uh, spot on I think yeah I think they could they could do really well I think you're absolutely spot on in Sam that about Jesse Marks because I've definitely got a different view on sort of him as, as a manager maybe it is that just you know American and, and the way you know they call football soccer don't they so straight away you're, you're like I'll oh, come on leave it out but um yeah when you listen to him he has got a way of him obviously you know, managed it uh, in Germany. A lot of his signings have been from Germany. I've been really impressed with the boy, uh, the winger. I think he's Italian, though. Notto. Nonto. Yeah, he, he looks like a top, top signing. And he could, I think he'll be one um, in the summer or, or definitely next January where, where the bigger bigger boys are, you know, are trying to get him. So in terms of his recruitment, I think you're spot on. It's been a little bit, some are good, but but some, some, not, some not so good. Colin, just then to sort of finish off with Leeds, you know, another manager, even though, you know, Marsh, I think a lot of Leeds fans are still not sure on Jesse Marsh. But, um, you know, are you with Graham? Can you, do you think that, that he, you know, he's building something there? And, and again, maybe another one that we'll, you know, see out the season. I'm not too sure. I don't know if he. <sighs> I don't know if he sees it this season. Um, I'm really surprised they spent all their money on this level of strike. I think that's the biggest thing that's that's worried me about Leeds. Um, where did the goals come from, apart from Rodrigo? Um, I know there's maybe a couple who've chipped in with one or two, but that's the only real goal outlet. And I know the cup games over the last month has maybe helped that start, but in the Premier League, they're relying too much on him. So, it makes sense that they went to sign this striker, but just quickly, I don't know anything about him, but quickly looking at him for Hoffenheim, he had 11 goals in 64 games. Um, it's no really what they're needing. Um, I don't think, um, I think the boy McKenney, as Jim says, it, it will maybe bring a bit more stability, but it's just where do these goals come from? And I'm really surprised that's where they went for. Um, I think he's a decent coach. He's done well at the um, any team with a, a Red Bull on their name, um, Jesse March. But um, I, 
It'd be interesting to see. I, I think he's the type of coach that would get them back up in the championship. Uh, whether they would want to take that punt on him, whether he'd want to stay in the championship, I don't know. I, I do think we'd, if they go down, we'd be um, in 18 months' time, we'd be talking about uh, Leeds back in the Premier League. But no, I think they've really got to struggle uh, unless this boy comes in and finds his shooting bits. Yeah, and obviously Patrick Bamford, another one they've got there, has been out injured. Um, actually, Bamford, when he has a run of games, is is one of them. He's, he's a very good finisher, but I don't think he's maybe harsh. I don't think he he's a player that that I'd want if I was a club that wanted to push for Europe. And I think Leeds as a club, not there at the minute, but I think that's their aim. Like everyone else, sort of in in that middle, you know, zone. I just don't think Bamford's at that level. And that, that might be a game changer if they if he does come back and can get eight goals between now and the rest of the season and Rodrigo stays in form as well. Um so maybe I'm being a wee bit harsh, but I don't know how how soon they're expecting Bamford back. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And as said it'll be there'll be an interesting one because that you know, as Graham said, every game there's goals in them. They're they're a good one for the coupon for both teams to score. Uh that's for sure. But uh, just just to round up, then the, the last team I want to touch on, and, and Jamie, an ex Liverpool manager, uh, Brendan Rodgers, Leicester. Um, you know they had a, a couple of really good seasons under him, and I think they missed out on Champions League two years in a row on the last day of the season. Mm-hmm. Um, and then obviously last season they had a, a really poor season, and they haven't been doing too well this season. Um, again, though, their recruitment over the years has been very very good. Um, but I thought it was always inevitable that Leicester would go always go down the way again, just because financially and and, and Leicester as a football club, uh, I mean they won the Premier League, which was, was obviously a few years ago, which was huge. But I think that's as good as it's it can get, and I think that's as good as it will get for for a club like Leicester. And and obviously Rodgers is finding it very difficult to get players in. Um, and then there's every window. There's just big. You know, rumours around Madison and, and T- Tillemans, and I'm a big, big fan of, of Tillemans. I'm just surprised he's actually still still at Leicester. So um, I actually watched the documentary um, this early this year, and I think it was the Kasper Michael documentary, and it was it was on Amazon. It was pretty good, and it was talking about um, life at Leicester. Um, and it was quite a good insight because up until you know the previous owner when he passed away with the, the helicopter accident, there was that level of investment. Um, it's his son that now runs it, and he's probably not as close to the club as what his father was, or as keen to spend as much money as his father was. So that level of investment has been massively different over the last few years. Um, they were hit; they were treading very carefully, the same as Everton at the beginning of the season with financial fair play. Um, they were they were really struggling, um, and I think they were had to generate funds, or, or they couldn't go in with the current wage bill that they have. Um, hence the reason that they agreed to sell Wesley Fofana to Chelsea for an astronomical 70-plus million. Um, the talk was that Madison was meant to be going in the same window, but they tried to spread out the deals so it doesn't hurt them so much. So I would fully anticipate Madison leaves in the summer um, to help the financial fair play. The most obvious is going to be Newcastle because they're the ones that are obviously stumping up the money. I think there was talk of a 60 million deal before it was snubbed at the beginning of the season. So it's pretty inevitable that um, they're going to lose Madison. Tillemans has got six months left in his contract and he can now talk to European clubs. I fully expect him to stay in England. Um, I think he will. Um, I think he's a very good player. 
doesn't score bad goals. Um, likes to be part of a of a of a busy midfield. Um, he's not an anchor man by any means, but he is a bit of a box to box boy. So I think he he suits a good chunk of the teams in England. Um, the wages that he'll get in England is probably going to you know outweigh any anywhere else he might go for it. Um, so I think he will stay. We're just not hearing enough about it at the moment because obviously nobody can speak to him until the end of the season. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised if he stays. Um, Jamie Vardy and Eniacho are still the two strikers. It feels like they've been the two strikers for the last seven years. Um, they actually brought in a really well well suited striker in Pat Zendaka, um, who was absolutely destroying um, Austrian football. Um, but that's not worked out. Um, and, I, and I think, you know, it's systematic of how Leicester have been. They've tried to do business, it's not really worked out. They've brought through small, younger players. Again, not been the same. Um, they they brought in the lads. Uh, is it Fay um, for something like thirteen million? Um, it just looks like if you ordered David Luiz off wish, in my opinion. Um, they've now brought in a guy called Tete. Um, I absolutely know nothing about this lads, but they're labelling him as a Brazilian winger. He was at Leon, so I don't know how good that's going to be because Leon have been pretty much on the slide for the last two years as well I don't think he's going to rescue their season I think Brendan's going to be really struggling at the end of the season and um, I think I called that out last week in the predictions um, for, for, for relegation fodder it's, it's a really interesting one Leicester because they went when they obviously when they won the league and then a couple of years after they had a, an interest you know in, in players that was that next level but it seems, as you said, with the investment not coming in, they've gone back down. But not just one level, I think they've dropped down to a couple of levels and they're, they're, yeah. they're searching everywhere. Graham, um, just just on Brendan Rodgers then, um, I don't feel sorry for Brendan Rodgers because I don't like Brendan Rodgers, but <laughs> it's a very difficult job for him to do with his hands behind, you know, tied behind his back because, as you said, being so close to get Champions League two years in a row and then just suddenly relegation battle. I think, you know, the Leicester fans want him out. But again, I think, you know, he, he is a good manager for Leicester, but obviously not being a Leicester fan. But I just think without that investment, it's very, very difficult. Yeah, I don't, I think, I'd, I'd imagine we all don't like Brendan Rodgers on this, this goal very much. <laughs> However, saying that, he's obviously an extremely good coach without... Yeah, that lack of investment in in the way Leicester are doing business now is very different. Leicester fans may want a new manager, but sometimes the grass isn't always greener. I would have thought if they get a new manager in, potentially relegation for drink. Rogers is is probably the 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 guy that is because how good a coach he is 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 the one that's keeping them where they are. If there is that level of investment going forward, then they'll again climb up the table. The guy did win an FA Cup with them, which was, yeah, years after winning the Premier League, that was as huge a thing for them. But obviously the FA Cup in England is is massive and I, I, I can't think if that was if maybe the first time they'd won it or the first time certainly decades upon decades. But I wouldn't be so fa- eh, fast to, to get Bryn Rodgers out of the club if I was a Leicester fan, that's for sure. Um, and, and who knows, maybe after a, a couple of seasons of pain, they will start spending again. And, and yeah, maybe it's just a refresh of the squad. If we're talking about uh, Telemans leaving, maybe Madison, those are big wages. And, and certainly with Madison getting a good transfer for you, maybe you will see that um, start getting spent again. But yeah, we'll see. 
Yeah, definitely two players to, to watch, uh, you know, next season. Madison to Newcastle, I think, as Jamie said, that, that looks like it's a definite cert. But I'm going to throw a little curveball in. I think Tillemans will end up abroad. I don't see I think Bayern Munich could be one for, for Yuri Tillemans. Colin, then last couple of bits. Um, I'm going to come to you all on this, starting, starting with yourself. Um, who, you know, deadline days tomorrow. So who do you think needs to strengthen the most? Everton. Um, and I don't think I need to expand too much on why, uh, because they're absolute dog shit at the moment. Um, but I think for all the clubs round about, um, them they, they have brought in a few players they, they have tried to strengthen. Um, we all said at the start of the call that the, um, Conor Gallagher, he's not the answer. He's not got to save the season. He's not what they need. I do think they need to get another cut of signings in. Uh, and uh, if they don't... Uh, I don't see them even with Sean Dyche who put the absolute inspirational team talk in every week to get them you'll get the players running through brick walls. But if that cohesion and the ability isn't there, then there's only so much that'll get you. So I think Everton, um, this is probably the they're probably the club who the transfers will make or break their season most for me. Yeah. Jamie, same question to you. Who who needs to strengthen uh, the most tomorrow? Um, to kind of back up Collins it's, it's, it has to be Everton we've already mentioned the lack of goals that they have the <clears throat> the craziest rumour I heard today was apparently Everton have made a 4 million offer to um, for a loan deal for Richarlson which seems absolutely mental however if he was to go back I think I'd comfortably say I think he would be fine for them in terms of helping them get back out of the um, the, the, the relegation fight I just don't see it happening. So if it's not happening, you're relying on Neil Mopey, Calvert-Lewin, Gray. I, I just don't see it. So they, they need a striker. Where'd you pick up a striker on the last day of the season, really? I mean, I'm sure Benji, Benny McCarthy's probably still kicking about somewhere. Um, so, yeah, I would say Everton all day long. I would love to say Leicester, but they still have goals in them. Um, Everton are the ones that are struggling. Benny McCarthy, that's a name I've not heard in a long time. Always a transfer, always a deadline day. Guy, he he was in the Rangers for absolute years. I mean, one I always, always wanted. So, uh, Graham, <laughs> yeah, yeah, Fort Worth, is it, is it Everton for, for you as well? I don't know where that Richardson <clears throat> thing's came from either. I mean, Richardson, I don't get he plays like Pele for Brazil, but when he's in the Premier League, he, he's not good at all. So I don't agree if Everton to get Richardson. Suddenly that's, uh, that's them safe. I think, it, honestly, I couldn't pinpoint who needs to specifically strengthen. There's seven teams when three points to the bottom. I think it's going to be who's less shite that will go down and maybe a couple of teams are in some absolutely honking form. I mean, Bournemouth, I think they're going. I think they could strengthen. I mean, they could buy two or three top quality players and I don't think it'd be enough for them. Um, you're looking at Southampton, new manager, probably needed there. Again, I just think there's, yeah, as I say, six, seven teams down the bottom there. Um, and it's just going to be um, survival first. I'm not sure how many of those teams um, upturn luck through a couple of signs in the last day of a window, to be honest. So I, I'm really looking forward to it. Like, I love a good relegation dogfight in English Premier League, though. So I do hope it stays as tight as possible with, with this amount of teams. Typically, in the last few seasons, it always gets away from us and 
teams start breaking away down the bottom and then it, the, the excitement kind of goes out a wee bit. So, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see. We'll see. I think yeah, I think they all need to strengthen. I don't think they'll, anyone will get sufficient quality in to, to get themselves out of it. No, absolutely, and that's the thing. You know, FA Cup weekend's been quite kind to us with you know the way that we've we've started the Premier League show. We've been able to go through, you know, all mainly. I think we've we've gone through them all. So our predictions are sort of in and, and locked in now. So that relegation uh, ground could be a, a real interesting one. Um, and and I'm going to be a little bit different to you boys. I'm going to say Arsenal need to get a midfielder in. I think that's really important for them. Um, it, you know, if they can do that tomorrow, if they don't do that tomorrow, I think that, that, that you know, if parties out for a long time, that's going to be a big, big blow. But there's there, just one thing more, one uh, thing I want to finish on, boys, and this is going to be a, a weekly thing. I think it'll be good for the listeners as well to to have a, a go at it. But uh, this week's question to to you, boys, is um, if you had to pick one player in, in their prime, who would it be? And, and the picks are Fernando Torres, Didier Drogba, or Robin van Persie. Um, so, Colin, thanks for coming on. Who's your pick out of them three and why? Thanks for having me, Mason. Pleasure as always. Um, obviously, you've left out Benny McCarthy because he would be the, the <laughs> obvious choice. Um, it's a really hard one. Well, well like you've, you've no picked um, like maybe Shearer or whatever for the goal scorer or um, Owen just for the like the, that first couple of seasons he broke through Liverpool. You've, you picked three strikers who at their peak were so rounded. Um, they, they weren't just goal scorers. They, they could, could do everything. Has to be Dogra for me. Um, just a raw power he had um, over Torres and, and Van Persie. What, what I think he had, the other two, didn't he? He, he could be a target man and a focal point. He, was, he bullied defenders. Um, whereas... I think the other two probably relied a bit more on either using a pace or the link-up play, whereas under Mourinho, when Mourinho just decided, sometimes I don't want to play football, go batter the front, and Drogba would do that, no bother. He was an absolute joy to watch, a beast. Um, kind of like Dado Pusho, who was kind of breaking into Rangers at the same time. Um, obviously, Pusho was a few levels up, but it's big today for me. But uh, thanks for having me. Top man, top man, Jamie. I think I know your answer, but um, who are you going with? And, and and again, thanks, thanks for coming on. No, listen, listen. This has been absolutely brilliant. You know, um, get to talk about football, not get shouted at for talking too much. I'm just remembering to let everybody else have a go, um, which Graham will tell you I'm not very good at. <laughs> but uh, it's been a pleasure absolutely coming on. And I'm actually, I'm, I'm not going to go for the obvious. I would love to see Fernando Torres. However, in reality, Fernando Torres only really had. A good season at Liverpool, a good a good three seasons at Liverpool. He get his his score his, his goal rate was something like one every two games. He was like a hundred and two appearances, I think it was, and he got sixty five goals. That's nothing compared to what Van Persie and what Drogba did. I would love to see Fernando Torres. I remember his goal at Old Trafford um, when we absolutely thumped them. He, he, the grey top, the grey Liverpool top, is 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 the Torres top to me. Um, I love him, but. I'm going to go with Colin Drogba all day long. The one thing that stood out about Drogba is players were scared to play against him. He absolutely bullied them. But I think the one thing that stands him out, he scored the important goals. He scored a brickload of goals, but he scored, and I mean, he cut final goals. I have many goals I can think of. He scored in the Champions League final. He scored goals to win the Premier Leagues. Um, 
he's got that history. He's got that element. Um, Van Persie was flair. Van Persie was brilliant. He was, you know, Van Persie was very much about the people around him as well. He got on the end of things. He just didn't want to play against Drogba. He absolutely bullied defenders. Um, so, yeah, for me, Drogba, out of, the, out of them three, I think Drogba's the standout for me. Yeah, no, can't disagree with, with any of that. And, and and Graham, thanks as always for coming on, mate. Um, are you going to go, is it another full house or is there someone a little bit, little bit different standing out? Yeah, thanks for having me on again, mate. Uh, always, always good. I think uh, it's interesting. Three very, three very tight players in terms of probably what they've achieved and the impact they had certainly in the Premier League. Interesting, Jamie. What you're saying about Torres at Liverpool, and that's probably the only club he didn't actually win anything at, right? Um, whereas his honours at Athletic yep. Madrid, Chelsea, Spain, really good guy was absolutely class. I think. Uh, Gerard's maybe thrown a bit of shade at him in the past, purely probably because how he left to go to Chelsea, to be honest. But I think you'd find um, certainly somebody like Gerard saying Torres would be one of the best he'd, he'd ever played with. Yeah, he did say that. Um, it's hard. It is hard. I think you've, I'll probably rule out Van Persie purely maybe because he's not won as much, certainly not a Champions League. It is a toss-up between Drogba and Torres. I think it does just go to Drogba purely because I, I do generally think it on his day when we're talking about somebody that's unplayable, I think Trogba's that guy that is unplayable and um, I, I enjoyed watching Drogba, I really did thought he was good, great character um, so for full house I think yeah, I'm gonna go with Drogba as well, just to just to finish it off. Um, but it was one that I see earlier, and I thought, you know what, that's a really good because um, I think you could debate all three, even Robin van Persie. Uh, no one's really gone in, but he was that. I, th- I think the standout, obviously, is at Man United the last, uh, well, Ferguson's last season when when they won the league, unbelievable, and uh, just injuries. Injuries maybe just don't don't give Robin van Persie that that longevity. Um, but he, he was a top player. But yeah, Drogba for the big games and what he's won. Um, but listeners, if, if, if you disagree or agree, please let us know and, and maybe send us something that, that we'll go through in the weeks to come. But that is something that I, I definitely think we, we will be adding in. And, um, and and again, you know, thanks for listening and, and get in touch. 